So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon... Built-in microwave, semicolon, zombie movies, or zombie 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 stuff? Zombie zombie stuff, yeah. Let's do that. Um, uh, So, uh, welcome to our podcast. I am Ned, and this is Meg, who is eating food at the moment. I'm eating a a fancy bakery version of a Hostess cupcake. Having having a light snack. Um, (laughs) uh we were so the reason we hit record uh, or the reason we're recording right now is we we're kind of just getting into the zombie thing and we were like oh we need to fucking record this and actually yeah if we're gonna have this conversation we just we're just gonna record it yeah our previous our previous uh episode <laughs> we promised to talk about zombies because you had strong opinions about that show the last of us yeah which is brand new out on hbo yeah. and yeah yeah um, mm. Also, I should have mentioned, uh, I didn't say in the last episode that we recorded, which was about watercolor painting. Oh, yes. That the Oriental, so the painting book that I was referencing was, is titled Oriental Painting Course, a structured practical guide to the painting skills and techniques of China and the Far East. And it is written by um, Wang Jianan and Kai Zhaoli. And uh, Don Young is the... Um, I think the person who helped put it into English. So uh, I just wanted to include that before we got started because I didn't say all of those details in the last one. And if anybody was interested in the book, they were like, what book is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's no salient details given whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, <laughs> Now you know, if you, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hard find, but our dedicated fans will definitely, definitely right. know about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah zombie movies and shows and stuff um i just recently saw the first two episodes of whatever that tv show is called i still can't the last remember. of us the last of us i don't know why i can't remember that because it's such an obvious title yeah um regardless and you know now that i think about it i'm not even so sure that the title is accurate like Here's the thing. If you want to watch this show and you don't know anything about it, do not listen to anything I'm about to say in this episode because I'm going to bust all of the things out that I like and don't like about this show. And it's going to inevitably spoil things because I'm not going to make a distinction like fair uh, 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 and I'm not going to hold anything back that would spoil anything. I'm just going to be like, here's why I do or don't like this. So um, I in general am not especially a fan of like zombie zombie genre stuff Mm -hmm. like i'm not totally like refuse to watch it but also i don't seek it out either and um part of the reason is that i find a lot of it whether it's like the walking dead or like i mean the the movie Shaun of the dead was pretty funny um have you seen Shaun of the dead ned yes love that. okay i mean i love i love uh i love both of those actors um what's his name uh simon pegg and um I can't remember his cohort's name. Uh, Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Yeah. Um, so that one's good. And I, I also like. I also, since we're talking about Nick Frost, I yeah. really would like to uh, point out that one of his best, better shows that is often not seen or known of is um, 
Oh, it's called, uh, hold on. I've got it right here. <laughs> I'm so glad you derailed my train of thought. I have it. Hyperdrive. <laughs> Hyperdrive. What yes. is that? Uh, it is not a, a zombie show. Sci- no, it's a science fiction show, uh, British sitcom um, that was uh, aired in 2006 and 2007. Anyway, oh. go on. So there we are. Shaun of the Dead. Now that I've derailed you. Um, yeah, you may it's fine. It's so, okay. I like yeah. it. Yeah. But my point is just like there's there's all different types of like zombie shows and movies and like yes. um, art and whatever whatever yeah. medium you want to make zombie stories in there's a right. lot of them and i'm not <clears throat> fond or not fond of them but i do find that with most of them it requires a type of suspension of disbelief that i can't fucking abide because it just violates some like law of biology or like some universal law of the of physics like the conservation of energy or the fact that like things move towards entropy or like whatever in so many of these like people are still facing these zombie problems years after they start. And I'm like, okay, but like, what are the zombies living off of? Like, this is my problem with the walking dead. Like I, it was like, there's zombies still crawling around like ages and eons later. And you're like, there's no way that like you can animate tissue without some form of metabolic energy. And like, that's not happening because they're not eating anything. So I fail to see how this is even a problem anymore. Right. Right. Or like, I, I mean a lot of your a lot of your issue it sounds like to me is that um they they spend a lot of effort trying to be scientifically in alignment with their fiction. Or like compelling, scientifically compelling, but it's like yeah, well but then it's too it's like like for instance, Shaun of the Dead, it's mm-hmm. like they're just like, yep, like sort of mainstream zombie rules, here's our movie. Like yeah. they don't spend a lot of time, you know, it's like if you get bitten, you turn into a zombie, how zombies exist and work, not really the point of this movie. Right. Um, we're going with the trope of what a zombie is, which is it's sort of a mindless brain eating, you know, yeah. murder machine. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So whereas <laughs> with the last of us they're like oh no no see the the fungus it's actually a fungal infection it's actually a fungal infection there's all these great details and you're like okay but be careful because the more details you put in the more i'm going to pick them apart right right like i like for instance like the idea that it like yeah the metabolic part of it is 100 percent. like so it's yeah like it's physically it it's physically beyond possibility if you're not going to just use the magic trope of like zombies are of the undead right where it's right. like you know vampire rules and etc right and if you're gonna and- say that this is like an undead thing and a cryptozoological thing yeah like vampires zombies werewolves whatever right these things that exist on a magical plane that justify some of their supernatural powers like they are beyond what is like human zombies in these other movies that i have problems with are not are not treated as though they are characters that are inhuman. They are treated as human characters who have been changed somehow. Mm-hmm. But the underlying basis for like the chassis that the zombie rides on is still a human chassis. Right. Right. Like the mechanical function of like muscle contraction in order to move the bones, etc. Right. Is These still, things are all still true. Yeah. And so if you, um, if you're usurping that or you know if the if the declaration is that the um the fungus 
basically co-ops your nervous system and yeah. redirects the resources, um, it's still a fucking problem, right? Because right. So yeah, because okay. So for example, in the movie, like the whole problem, this whole like outbreak of zombieism starts in um indonesia in jakarta Mm -hmm. and i don't know why they picked that doesn't make any sense to me it's just a place on a map i guess and because they don't explain why why there or haven't so far right so they they somehow basically like kidnap this doctor Mm -hmm. who's a mycologist and they they like put her in a car and won't tell her anything and they drive her to she asks am i being arrested and they're like don't be silly and they take her to this place where there's a, a woman's dead body laying in this like room and they dress the mycologist up in a sealed suit and they send her into this room to examine the dead body and the dead body clearly has a, a bite mark on the ankle mm-hmm. and the bite mark they tell this mycologist oh well this dead person um was bitten by a human and it transmitted the cordyceps fungus to her and the doctor's like the mycologist is like well cordyceps can't survive in a human body and they're like well we know that like that's the whole revelation and point right like Mm -hmm. oh this is something that's not behaving the way that it's supposed to So she like cuts open the bite mark on this dead person's leg and this like fungus like kind of spills out and kind of wiggles around as if it's like it looks more like a weird little sea creature than it does like a fungal mycelium. Right. So then she looks inside this dead person's mouth and pulls like a bunch of the fungus out of the person's mouth. And I'm like... Do you want to explain to me biologically how a fungus is, first of all, transmitted through a bite and secondarily makes its way from the tissues in an ankle to, up through the body and out the the like esophageal canal and like through the mouth and out past your teeth? Like this doesn't make any sense on any biology, any mycology, any like epidemiological level. And yet it's all couched in like believable reality because this is supposedly the next thing we have to worry about because global warming and i'm like okay yes funguses are a problem two they are definitely going to be an increasing problem with global warming but three why did you have to go off the rails with how it makes it happen in this show like it doesn't make any fucking sense so i was like irate about that and um like they have this other incidents where an elderly woman in a wheelchair who supposedly became infected because her family would take her into the town where it out the outbreak happens in the united states like uh oh sorry back up before i get to the old woman in the wheelchair this mycologist then is like well this is really concerning and they're like right and she's like i want to go home and be with my family because it's like you know everybody she can tell like the way she talks about it it's she's trying to convey that like everyone's horrific death is imminent and she wants to spend the last hours on life with her of life on earth with her family and she needs to go do that now and they're like well what help us develop a vaccine or how can we treat this and she's like well you can't and they're like but what do we do and she's like there's nothing you can do except bomb this entire town and i'm like that would just push a bunch of fucking spores from this fungus all over the fucking place right right why also why would a mycologist ever suggest that as a solution to a problem like like a a fungal strain that has crossed over into like human host territory like 
that's just a ridiculous and also who at some like at some government level is going to listen to a mycologist whose advice is to bomb a city but like apparently from the television show that's exactly what happens and i'm like what that's fucking stupid and like it's stupid on the la- it's like stupid on so many levels. So um I ha- I have some information about cord- so the cordyceps uh is a real sort of cat- classification for it's a real family or yes. a real genus, right, of yes. fungus. There's roughly 600 worldwide species that are known and documented. Um so the reason that they use this species for the plot is that um it's, because it occupies an ant yeah because because there's there's known varieties of it that are parasitic right yes and um and biologically when they when a cordyceps uh fungal infection attacks a host um the mycelium invades and eventually replaces the host tissue so that's where you get that that con like this is the sort of fantasy of like you know the zombieism right um, yes it slowly takes over your body and your mind and then you become this like zombie who's controlled yeah. your but, body that's just controlled by this the fungus problem right is is that um in the in the sort of um in the in the fungal infection of say like ants or insects um it's it's nowhere near the complex behaviors that you see in the in the show right like right or as fast like what happens is that um it triggers the tendency for so like that ant that has been infected um, right what it does is it sort of creates i i believe it's been a little while and i i hope somebody who's listening um could write in and actually tell us and i did i cover that you can email dana if you're listening to this and you have strong opinions about this and you want to tell us a how we're wrong or how we're right or you have your own opinion um you can email dana d-a-n-a at fcbm.io she is a ceo she will get the shit together and make sure we talk about whatever the fuck you want us to talk about right. um or at least get us the email so we know what's going on uh but Anyway, the ants, like what happens when they get infected is that they're, um, the, the fungal infection has evolved to, to have this, um, parasitic relationship with that particular species of ant, which is that now the ants behavior is such that it, it best suits the fungus, which is typically finding a high point where it then goes to die. And then when the fungus infection progresses and takes over the host and eats up all the nutrients of the flesh, it then can shoot its spores from a high point and cover more ground. Yes. That's it. It's not like then it goes and tries to infect other ants. That's a complex behavior that would be very hard to, um, for a fungus, like funguses don't have this level of thought. Like they don't, as far as we can tell they don't have brains or they don't have a complex behavior mechanism like they have a different sort of um evolutionary pathway where they're more rudimentary in many ways it doesn't make them less insidious if you're infected by them they're quite like when they've evolved to live in a certain environment they're very good at it like it's scary right very thorough it's like bacteria and viruses in the sense that they have a rapid evolution cycle that Mm -hmm. They make more of themselves very quickly. Yeah, that higher order organisms, this isn't necessarily better organisms, it's just more complex organisms. That's one place where it's harder for us us to compete, right? Like it takes us, you know, 50 or like, you know, 20 years to reproduce roughly 
Um, you know, and so like our off, like our life cycle, our, our sort of evolutionary cycles are more measured in 20 years. Whereas like, you know, fungus can measure them in, in an afternoon, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, yeah in, in like yeah like yeasts can yeah, reproduce like, like insanely fast yeah and so they can recombine their dna and they can continue to evolve and create adaptations or select for new adaptations potentially mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah so right so and i i'm familiar with the particular cordyceps that takes over the ant and eventually kills the ant and then eventually the right. ant serves as the platform that the spores issue forth from yeah and so I can see why, like, for a plot device, you would just be like, well, what if that happened in people, right? right. We just lived through a fucking pandemic where a zoonotic disease, we think, yep. jumped from the <clears throat> from the animal population over to people. Um, and so, like, I, I'm that's not even the part that I have a problem with. Like, I could I could even swallow the premise that, like, okay, there's this type of fungus that actually does exist and in it it's modeled in the real world and that's how we know about it for this plot and we're going to just apply that to like people and say that this jumped from species to species and now it's a people problem and because people are so densely packed together in cities and things it's going to spread like crazy Mm -hmm. but like in the show so far they haven't said anything about the spores right like not once have they mentioned the fact that something intrinsic to fungi is their spores in addition to their mycelium right right um it it, so like i also like it's weird to me that like this fungus would compel people to bite each other to spread yeah that just doesn't make any fucking sense then it's not a fungus anymore right right i mean well I mean, the like, uh, you can classify it as a fun. Like, it doesn't to, to spread your mycelium by basically. Um, I mean, one could argue that if your substrate, your growth media is is human flesh or other living organ, other sort of mammals, then yeah. um, if you could modify the behavior of your host as a parasitic fungus such that they, um, you know, move towards and uh impede the the escape of other fleshy objects that that's a good behavior right but yeah that's the problem that this is a complex behavior that is like beyond the sort of like driving a base need right where it's like oh it dehydrates you and so you're thirstier or it creates ravenous hunger so you're hungry but that doesn't you know like it's like rabies right like rabies is like it's i i think that's a better model for the zombie disease right yeah it's sort of like um you know it's yeah it's transmitted through saliva yeah so So that's why the biting and the drinking all of the time and then there's like so but the i mean one could argue that fungus could be that way like why not it's it's science, but they fiction. don't do a job of explaining that. No, no, no. I, in the I agree show. with That's you. I agree with you. I mean, I also have other issues where it's like you know they also characterize this this sort of fungal infection as really a slime mold. Like all of the all yeah. of the decomposed bodies are really just growing slime molds, and it's like right. It's like which is another creepy organism, which you for sure I, creepy is not the right word. I think would it's also make a perfectly good subject for this film, sure. but like it they didn't for some reason, right? I mean, I have look. I, I 
I I think my take on it is that um I've only watched the first episode, so I yeah. can't say. I I thought that uh I had the same issues you had, which is one of the reasons I wasn't that compelled to play the video game in the first place, is I was just like, this isn't the kind of story that mm-hmm. compels me because I I know too much about it and I end up feeling frustrated yeah. that what seems obvious to me, like these obvious things that needed to be at least addressed. You know, even if like many zombie movies, they're just like magic. That's fine. Yeah, but you you can't just not say anything. Yeah. And like that's the frustration. The frustrating part of the storytelling, right, is where they just make a lot of assumptions that it's like, oh, no, we're going to just we're not going to say anything about that. But we're going to be real intensely like justifying our science. Yeah. 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 Like just don't just be like, nah, you know, magic, magic MacGuffin thing. Keep going. Mm hmm. Like, yeah. are you, yeah. And, and one thing that I, I think I mentioned to you that I would like to at least mention about my experience of watching it was that, um, I felt like, and I think you have the same feeling as it's like watching it as it's like, this is a video game. Yes. That was the next p- complaint I was going to lodge. The yeah. first complaint was that like they brought in a bunch of details from real life that would have on their own been satisfactory, but then they fucked them up to tell a story that makes it less believable. Yeah. So I, and then this, yeah. And then I, the second complaint is the, the, the video pacing. Game is, and, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the video game side of it, I feel like um, gives it merit in the genre that it is, which is to say that it, it does what it says on the tin. It's like, this is a TV show based on a video game. And the fact that they use a lot of like video game style angles and plot devices and you Mm -hmm. know like i mentioned to you earlier um in the first episode there's a moment where the main characters the three main characters get separated by a burning car and it's like and it's like that's such a video game trope right it's like you can tell that in the video game this is the moment where the character you have control of is separated from the other supporting characters that are are giving you support in this chaos of the the town or whatever right. and now you're separated from one of them and then they tell you in the sort of cutscene of like hey you got to go a different way i'll try to find my way to you buddy and then you have yeah. to like run off and then you spend in the video game, you spend 10 minutes trying to like find a way to go around the obvious, like you're like, there's a path right there. There's a burning, like I can't just jump over (laughs) this like match that's burning on the sidewalk. Now I have to like, you know, go 15 miles around because you know, anyway, um, why why is this like strange kryptonite like roadblock in my way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other things that really like frustrates me with this, like the first episode too, now that I think about it is, um, you know he's they're trying to he's trying to escape the quarantine zone right yeah and then he ends up getting shot at by the the soldier mm-hmm. and and to me it's like the, it's so the soldier's like like the soldier basically shoots him because he's like we're killing everybody or whatever is the implication yeah. and it's like but are you like just is is if you've written off the town then the solution is to have some soldiers on the edge of it shoot people with guns. Right. And not just like, I, I don't know. It, there's just something it about like it a- that feels quite like there's just something very like wrong about it somehow. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if it's portrayed better in the video game and it just struck me wrong in the TV show. I don't fucking know, but it just feels like morally like, wrong or just like, this is like, not how anybody would do this. Yeah. That like, th- like, yeah, like yeah. this, like arriving at this point feels like how, 
I don't buy that that's how you got here. Like, yes. I don't know what it is exactly. It just feels like, you know, like the lone soldier with no backup, um, getting directions over the radio to shoot a civilian holding his daughter. Yeah. You know, in the U.S., like, I mean, we have a fucking gun problem in this country, like nobody's business. But I'm not generally of the opinion that our military are generally deployed as po- like if it was a police officer I would have been like yes right. do you know what I mean like I don't know how else to put it <laughs> yeah. it's just like yeah. like generally like I my experience is like we don't like most of the time our our military personnel if there's a shooting it's themselves which is tragic and sad but like mm-hmm. they're not usually the ones who are then going into the populace and shooting people up generally I mean look yeah. I, I you know uh, just generally, my feeling is like typically they're not deployed as police officers in inside, like internally. Um, yeah. Nor do they often like. They also, I just generally like all the military personnel I know. They're they don't want to be cops. Like they join the right. military for career reasons, and you know we have a huge military industrial complex that offers really good careers and and you know potentially things that people believe in or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into yeah. it, but yeah. Um, just you know what i mean though it's like if that had been a cop okay maybe yeah they like scramble it's interesting to me because they like scramble jets and like like so in the same day i think in episode one like they go from hearing vaguely on the radio that something bad is happening in jakarta which you then find out later is they're bombing jakarta because some mycologist said so right and like and then this these people go to sleep and when they wake up several hours later like three hours later it's already happening in the united states and there's fighter jets overhead and they're Mm -hmm. like scrambling tanks and people are shooting like the military is shooting people and like you're like what the fuck so that doesn't really make any sense either the and that leads me to um even in the first episode and like further down into the show, it's like set 20 years later, right? Mm -hmm. So this situation has been ongoing with no resolution for 20 years right? and society has completely fallen apart, okay? All right, I'm buying, I'll buy it. Uh, For the sake of argumentation, keep going, right? Okay, so like what we find out is that when the people, when the military like fired on dude and his daughter, they like kill his daughter, right? So now I need to talk about how every fucking plot has to be motivated by some woman getting killed (laughs) are we seriously a zombie movie where the only motivation for the main characters is that a woman got shot and killed Mm -hmm. like it's fucking zombies is that not enough motivation already you have to be like oh but this character won't make sense unless we kill a woman close to him so he can be upset later (laughs) So the other thing that fucking irks me about this is that Uh they shoot and kill this like daughter figure in the first episode who is like a BIPOC character and then they replace her with another daughter figure who's not this guy's daughter who's just a white kid later on and I'm like really? Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be any reason for killing off the first daughter in the first place. So I think that's fucking stupid. I'm just putting that out there. That's and fair. I'm irritated yep. that it's been racialized. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, <clears throat> oh, it's just so disappointing. So then oh, I'm supposed to believe that like this guy's main motivation 
after his daughter is killed is just kind of being an outlaw. And like, so a lot of things look to my eyes about this show that don't make fucking sense to my brain. For example, <clears throat> 20 years into this process, there are skyscrapers toppling and falling over into each other. How did that fucking happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not just going to fall over onto each other after 20 years of deferred maintenance, are they? I don't know. Well, that seems ridiculous to me. And so <clears throat> I'm supposed to believe that literally the sky is falling down and buildings are crashing everywhere. But somehow this guy is looking for a truck battery so that he can drive from the Jersey coast or whatever to fucking mm-hmm. Wyoming. And I'm right. like, on what fucking interstate at this point? Yeah. The buildings aren't up. You think the roads are going to be intact? Also, like, uh, I'm supposed to believe that you're able to get gasoline for your truck when the buildings are, like, crumbling in the distance and literally nobody... That's the big one, too, is the gasoline is a problem because gasoline polymerizes pretty quickly, relatively Yes, it goes bad, like, really fast. You can't just store it forever. No. Um, Although, I think they said it was diesel okay maybe but anyway i I, no i mean who's delivering the diesel who's making it who's refining it yeah and this is like my same issue with a lot of post-apocalyptic shit where it becomes this thing where it's like like so nobody can make these things anymore when they're clearly super useful and we have we've we have examples of them literally in front of your face not to mention like a lot of resources that have already been dug up and available to like do this stuff right so yeah. like you know batteries can be remade the chem- lead acid batteries are not that complex now is it going to be this perfectly molded like high functioning shit that we have now no but if if you need a battery like yeah. lead acid chemistry is pretty basic. Yeah. Like if you need to create a 12 volt battery to run a car, this is not like you can do this at home with like some broken old fucking batteries and some lead, which was clearly available. Yeah. Like even, even in a fairly like stressed out environment of like the, you know, I mean, well, that's part of it. It's like, it's not stressed out now. They have this sort of this enclave where people are surviving and working supposedly supposedly i mean the the portrayal of it and my point is like and batteries like i'm sorry lead acid batteries would not be that far outside the realm of something that could be recreated by by some fucking high school chemistry grads yeah yeah you know some kids who are like i actually i did a salt acid bridge and knew how to make a battery out of a lemon and a potato or whatever like yeah let's fucking get to it like let's figure this shit out Clearly, Let somebody we go need get a them. book from a library. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where I just get really frustrated because it's like, I, uh, you know, yeah, okay, we've lost the, like, the hyper level of manufacturing that we have today, but the knowledge is not lost. It's there. Right. Like, suddenly it's like, oh, fucking axes are a commodity because nobody knows how to fucking melt some metal and fucking right. sharpen it on a stone. Like, right. what? Like, and it's yeah. not that far. Like, when you, the hard part is the, the hard part is when you don't know what can be done. Right. When you know what can be done. It's just a matter of doing it. It's a matter of doing it and work and effort, of course, and collecting resources. But, but the knowledge is not lost the way that they kind of make it seem like it's like, oh, we're all just fucking morons. I mean, I was just a fucking, you know, I, 
all I know how to, I was just a janitor, just a fucking dumb janitor. And now here I am trying, I mean, like, and I don't mean that's a terrible thing to say. Like people, janitors, a profession doesn't define who you are. That has nothing to do with it. My point is like, it's like, I have no skills. I was a fucking trust fund baby. Like those are the only people who survived. That's a little bit better if to my mind, like the janitors are the people who are like, yeah, come on. Like you guys know how to fucking get some shit done. Custodial (laughs) engineers are (laughs) amazing. I mean, my point is like, 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 you know, it's it's not um it doesn't matter who you are if you can see it in front of you like it's you know you get enough people together and we can all agree that these are infinitely useful artifacts that we were able to create in the past like yeah like okay let's let's turn our attention to solving this problem so we can solve these other problems yeah so that raises another issue for me with this show which is that the incredible overstatement Mm -hmm. of decades of uh persistent anarchy and just utter fucking crime lawlessness yes that's violence yes and i'm like you can't (sighs) nobody would have made it 20 years if this was how it was right right that's my I, that's where I'm just like I, I don't know I, I struggle like with it's, a lot of something's these. wrong with the algebra of this show I'm like okay if you set the x variable at this and the y variable at this I'm with you so far but when you tell me it comes out to z I disbelieve you mm-hmm. because it's not an actual outcome given the premises that you've set up this is what I say I watch the show and my eyeballs are like this doesn't make sense you couldn't have this much fucking chaos and violence everywhere which is the impression that they're giving right and still have people surviving like where is the collectivism that is required to support life for longer than a couple of days right which we clearly as a species continue to do despite like some of our supposedly terrible nature right like i'm just saying i'm not saying like i believe in the essential goodness of people to organize and cooperate in the worst of times i'm Mm -hmm. saying if you're telling me that this is 20 years into this problem and you're telling me that this is what society looks like i'm calling you a liar right because that can't these two things cannot be both true at the same time right and like there's they don't show any evidence they also show like this quarantine zone and i'm like i don't understand what's quarantined about it (laughs) yeah like this, that nothing about what you're showing me suggests a quarantine because mm-hmm. you've already canceled out all of the things that make a quarantine an effective quarantine just right. in the course of me watching this. So mm-hmm. like that can't be right. Um, I I also found some in- information that I think is is germane to uh, kind of your initial argument and frustration with the zombies. Okay. Um, so. Uh, and I kind of remember this happening. So we talked about other zombie movies that we like. And um, one of them was 28 Days Later. Yes. So um, 28 Days Later came in 2002. And yep. uh, it, and according to Wikipedia and the article on zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. as a genre, uh, 28 Days Later created a long-running debate over whether the film could be categorized within the genre of zombie apocalypse. And I would Ooh. argue that The Last of Us fits into this category, which is that, um, so in the film, in the film, um, technically people were infected with the rage. They weren't uh, returning from the grave. Right. 
and this is kind of what I mentioned earlier when we weren't on the podcast, but now that we're recording, I will, I'll kind of state it again, which is that, yeah. uh, well, I think we mentioned a little bit at the beginning, that concept of like, when you say zombies, do you mean like the the living undead or the undead in the mystical, magical sense, like mm-hmm. vampires and werewolves and all of the sort of mythical history, history or yeah. mythology, not history, mythology, um, that... Uh, you know, versus the modern take on on zombie films, which is increasingly kind of more infection. increasingly more and more like World War Z, where it's like increasingly more and more based on the concept of like science fiction, right? Uh, As sure, opposed sure. to a mythical tale, it's a yeah. science fiction tale, um, and that's definitely where The Last of Us falls, right? Like they're not telling this story of of um, uh, it, it's not a magic based sort of mysticism mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like, yeah. you know, you're, you're coming back from the dead, uh, you know, by this, mag- you know, like the, like the body, the zombies continue on regardless of like how incapacitated they are biologically and they don't, need, right. they don't actually need any kind of like met- metabolism, metabolic um, activity to continue. Yeah. To function. Um, yeah. But yet sort of they do because you have to like, you know, like all zombie films, like it's, you know, you really have to suspend that disbelief. And I think that's where I end up liking zombie films that are a little more um, like like they they establish the rules and they don't try to shove it down your throat. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like, you know, um, what's that? Uh, zombie land is a pretty good example. Like it's very much mm-hmm. rule based. It's like, this is how the zombies work. They, you know, if they bite you, you get infected, you turn into a zombie, um, you know, and, and then that's the stage for interesting story maybe, or problem solving or whatever that you, you mm-hmm. know, work your characters through. Sure. Um, but the last of us feels like you said, like it's a little bit frustrating because it tries so hard to be. I think what it is, maybe this is what bothers you is it's like, at least for me, what bothers me is that there's this play to um, create a sense of fear because this might actually happen. Yes. And it's like, nah, you, you, you missed it. So stop trying to shove that down my throat and get on with your story. Like, you, you know what right. I mean? Like, it's just kind of yeah. like... Um, like yeah, you said, like right. there's if this... you want to do real stories, do real stories. There's plenty of horrible infection based reality. Yes. Sp- yes. And side note on that, uh, we got this great book that's like first aid for the workshop. So it's yeah. like if you saw your arm off, here's how to make sure you don't die. Yeah. And they have a whole section in there about tetanus. <laughs> yes. Sorry. And because I'm allergic to tetanus vaccines, yes. I was like, my interest was peaked. And according to this book, which it's making a lot of sense, tetanus is way more fucking common than I realize. And yeah. I'm like, how have I survived? Right. Right. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason like you get tetanus shots like anytime you get a puncture wound. Right. Or you should get tetanus yeah. shots anytime you get a puncture wound. Anyway, so back to the zombie thing. Uh, yes, there are like uh, there are like lots of really scary funguses, and like like candida, which is a fungus, is really terrifying because you can get some strains of it that are like you, there's just nothing that kills it. Yeah, like oh, oh that won't also immediately kill you if you try to. Yeah, like, well, treat this is the infection. I, and this is why, like you know, for most people, your immune system is pretty effective, and that's great, but it gets scary because the more of us there are, the more evolutionary forces there are to drive fungal infection. Right. Cause it's right. like, it becomes, you know, we're all competing for resources on this planet. And at some point, 
you know, we're a ripe fucking lovely place to grow if you're the right kind of fungus or organism that doesn't mind, you know, our immune system. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, so here's an interesting thing about funguses too. So, you know, like, uh, funguses are a problem in agriculture because they can affect crop yields and crop health and things like that. And so they use, um, antifungal like sprays and treatments on agriculture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The fucked up thing is twofold one what's outside in the world is the same stuff that's inside of us like our skin and like all of this stuff that seems to pose a barrier between what's inside of us and what's outside of us in the outside world is really a permeable barrier and it's not really a barrier at all yeah. and so the same like funguses that are out there in the world are living in us in our biomes too mm -hmm. and the the second part of the thing that's scary about this is that when you treat the stuff out there with antifungals yeah. those antifungals are the same antifungals that they use for people medicine mm-hmm inside of you yep. so if the fungus is outside mutate enough and evolve enough that those antifungals that they use in agriculture don't work anymore or create superbugs, then we are also fucked because we no longer have medicine that works against them mm -hmm. so this is like a serious fucking problem that's absolutely terrifying on a global scale and the more the, the planet warms up the worse it's going to get um, so like this is scary enough without them having to put in details that are like it's like okay and this is scary because it's real but also the way it functions is totally biologically not real and you're like then how am I supposed to be afraid of this then <laughs> right. right? like you've just ruined it for me uh -huh. like not only it's not even on the level of like I need to suspend my disbelief I'm like you are internally incoherent <laughs> and for that I cannot listen to you <laughs> so it kind of bothers me on that level like yeah. It's the internal incoherence that is is so upsetting to me about this show because every time I'm willing to go along with them and be like, okay, 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 I buy it, I buy it, I buy it for now, right? They just mm -hmm. contradict themselves almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, this sucks. So like the overstatement of the severity of anarchy and the persistence of anarchy just totally lost me with that one. Yeah. Like and and like in the the silly the silliness of the lack of technology that would have been essential if anyone had survived up to that point yeah. like the batteries you uh -huh. know i'm just like oh my god and then the thing about the swapping the kids in the beginning like there was like a great person who was in that role in the beginning but we killed her off for someone who's indistinguishable uh -huh. in the way the role is written except now it's like a white kid and we're supposed to care about that somehow more uh-huh and i'm just like god damn it <laughs> like this is not only disappointing it's kind of infuriating on some levels that actually have nothing to do with zombies and like right. the premise of the show so like mm -hmm. i don't know I, our neighbor told us to watch it and made us watch it yesterday i mean they didn't make us we agreed no, to no, it but yeah. we made it for the first two episodes and they were really 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 excited about the third episode like text me the second you get finished with the third episode and tell me what you thought so i'll watch it and we can like talk about this another time again and i'll tell you what i think but i am positive at this point that nothing is going to save this for me <laughs> not for you <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's fair that's fine yeah like i there are some things like i mean 
I know a lot of people were really excited about The Walking Dead and I thought that it was kind of cool and I appreciated the hype around it and the sort of culture that sprouted up around it and stuff and Chris Hardwick was really into it and they had a podcast about it and I love him and and Mm -hmm. so like I kind of want to be into it but then when it got to the point where like I can't remember the time frame but I feel like it was a couple of years in the show maybe and I was like I fail to understand how any of this is still a problem given the like yeah. conditions in which the zombies need to to do things to continue to be zombies that are running around doing things and right. so i'm how like are I they just, still still how, in existence and right yeah. why why are we still in the backwoods of like atlanta georgia with <laughs> yes, like shotgun strapped to our backs like two years into this problem I, uh-huh. yeah i don't know so um what this on the same sort of complaint level uh the other thing that bothers me about the last of us that's what it's called right i don't know i must like i have a mental yeah. block about it because the i last do, us, everything yeah. in my brain is like no just don't just don't <laughs> no. don't remember what it's called don't watch it again don't think about it yeah it's also not anarchy it's also not anarchy damon says it's fascist it's like fascist they're like hanging people in the street yeah it's totally yes. fascist yeah it's not that's what it's yeah it's yeah um yeah, that's that's a big part of it too, right? It's just like what um but Well, they kind of position it as like there's this like super fierce like clamp down fascist government and then anyone who's not one of them is like an outlaw running around like a rat in a building. Yeah. And they just kill them. So I'm like that's what I mean by like like the if you set aside this insane fascistic government and you only look at the like alleged survivors of this you've got like these firefly people who are like the anti the resistance and then you've got like weird people like i don't know other people who are just outlaws of some kind vaguely outlaws you know but if there's not like yeah if the it's I, it's it's like it's just such a mashup of stuff i can't really understand what it makes it really uh, untenable um but the, what i was going to say is that like in the same vein as zombies that for some reason seem to have existed for two years without nourishment of any kind whatsoever um yeah. who are not also undead uh, that just doesn't make any sense in this show um the the fungus makes all of these people behave like really aggressively toward each other. So Mm -hmm. there's like the biting and the ripping each other apart and all of that stuff. But they also show, they also depict like even elderly people like flinging themselves around. And I just think like, okay, here's another fucking problem I have. Even if we're willing to accept in this dumb zombie algebra (laughs) equation that this is an infection of some kind, fungal or otherwise one that two makes people hyper aggressive and attack other people. Then Mm -hmm. Three, what you would have to uh, accept is that those people who are flinging themselves around hyper aggressively are going to smash themselves to pieces at some point because like their bones are just going to fucking break. And what that my conclusion with all of this is that if this thing is making people behave this aggressively, then they are going to break their bodies to a point where magic or not, biomechanically, they will not move around anymore. Right, right, right. So like, what's the fucking deal? I just can't with this show. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and like, I, even if they are made out of magic, like if you smash the bones to pieces, you're just going to have a sack of jelly. It's not going to bite anybody. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
you need the mechanics to work for locomotion yeah yeah like yeah for someone to be ambulatory they need to be intact Mm -hmm. physically yeah so like i don't get the hyper aggressiveness to the point of like self-destruction yeah it's i mean i don't know it i I think i think it's one of those things where it's just kind of like you know these kind of shows bother us and i i well you know what it is too? <laughs> you're just giving up you're like i uh, just think we have to sum it up we just don't like this genre <laughs> yeah well no it's not the genre i think what it is is it's like it it needs to have i think for me the problem is like i probably enjoy this as a video game okay although i would probably be frustrated by the video game to some extent I, I haven't played it, but for me, oftentimes it's the mechanics of the game that draw me in more than anything else. And yeah. the fact that it's zombie flavored or that there's kind of like a dumb story. I mean, look, yeah, I, played, I played a lot of the Resident Evil games and I fucking loved them. The stories, eh, whatever. I mean, that's got its own internal bullshit logic problem. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've watched any of the movies for um, 28 or not 28 days later for uh, uh, Resident Evil, but um classic zombie virus you know yeah. trope thing um huge franchise uh i played several of the games all the way through enjoyed them a lot but that was a big part of it was like being in control of the character and making choices and and i was still fucking frustrated when there were certain choices you you know cuz it's still fairly railroaded right like you just yeah. kind of go from one event to the next you can make choices within those events some of the games had more open choices some of them didn't sometimes that was better sometimes that was worse um so i can't really comment on the game i've only seen the show last of us and i felt like it was a you know, it was shot like a video game, which I think I mentioned before, which is, yes, um, I think that's good in the sense that if people liked the game and they're Mm -hmm. expecting to watch the show, you're probably going to be pretty happy with the show because the show is, um, I mean, I don't know. I haven't played the game, but it, it's certainly like the camera angles, the The nature of the interactions. It all feels very, very, you're like, these are video game tropes, like thinly veiled behind a TV show. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, um, you know, so like, you know, if it were a platformer, fucking uh what's his name? Who's the actor um in that the the last of us uh uh the lead character uh, you Pedro mean? Pascal, yeah. I yeah, mean if it was he's a fucking you know, Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian. Like, you know, also like if you know, if it's in the video game at some point I expect him to be like, you know, leaping from one ledge to another in a you know, sort of parkour, yeah. ridiculous kind of way. Like, yeah. Um, so I'm going to watch episode three because I think that's the episode that Nick Offerman shows up and I like him. So, I'll, okay. Well, that's, I'll watch it. That's a legitimate, um, but I don't even think Offerman can save the entire show for me. No, but doesn't mean you can't enjoy that moment. I mean, they're yeah. saving the show and then there's just watching. I mean, I don't know. Anyway. Ned, every show I watch has to be everything to me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. But uh, Arrested Development was pretty much everything for me. Yes. Yeah. For a time, I mean, a time yes, in my life. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Arrested Development. 
Oh, fucking fantastic. That's that show that show oh. for me is kind of true in real life in the same ways that like the Big Lebowski is true. Like it's it's about the human condition more than it is about the actual plot. Right, right. And, and so it's, it's like really relatable, even though it's totally unrelatable in both cases. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Uh unlike these zombie movies where I'm like, I'm not even sure what's supposed to be real. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I liked, uh, just, just for the record, my yes. favorite zombie show is 28 days later yep. for the reason that I find everything that happens in that movie to be completely believable. Right. Right. Yeah. Like there's nothing in it that like violates some f- physical law of the universe or, mm-hmm. um, like, completely contradicts the the actual biology on which the premises of the show are resting but then they refute it in the process of telling the plot yeah. um so like it, i i really like that one and it's kind of like a scary movie yeah yeah like it's meant to yeah. be like unsettling and yep. uh i don't know i just thought it was really really good um just as a movie and the fact that it was about like zombies was kind of second for me like i thought it could have been about any type of uh cataclysmic event that has an aftermath like a sustained aftermath like that mm-hmm. and i think it if it was a natural disaster or something it would have been just as believable i don't know so i really like that show but it's also pretty like straightforward you know like they mm-hmm. don't overcomplicate it it's- and like we were talking at breakfast today about the the show the peripheral yeah. which asks you to like believe basically in time travel which doesn't even have like anything close to analogous in real life right now right and um but damon and i were saying like it's a much better show because they do a much better job of supporting the things that they're asking you to believe yes yeah and i think that is i think that's your frustration with the last of us is that it doesn't I, and maybe this comes from the video game part of it, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. in video games, they don't often spend as much time doing that because you're, you're like, it's already a make believe environment, right? Yeah. It's not a live action, whereas now it's a live action show that you're, th- that there's an expectation of storytelling where it's like, hey, call out the shit that is different and being ex- I'm expected to suspend my disbelief in. Mm-hmm. And if you make assumptions that I just don't know about this and I'm going to be afraid of this thing anyway, then fuck you. Like, yeah, you know, whereas like in the yeah, I've I watched some of the peripheral. I think I watched a couple episodes. I, I do. Enjoy it's it. really good. It is very good. I um like there. It's like when when you're asked to believe like the suspension of disbelief is is not um assumed Mm, yeah it's like no they they tried to make some effort in that direction and they also like you know it's yeah like and also like in any really good science fiction usually there's only one kind of tweak to reality and then everything else logically falls out from it right yes oh what if we you know if we could time travel and the rules were like this now let's tell the story of it you know Um, yeah or you know, whatever, like it's like I, I did a um, Dungeons and Dragons game uh, campaign a couple years ago and time travel was part of it. Um, but 
it was based on an old, old uh, uh, campaign setting that um, one of the original um, D&D designers had come up with. And, oh, cool. And the time travel that I made use of was like real rudimentary, and I kind of explained that. I was like, there's basically two eras that you can travel back and forth in. Um, mm-hmm. And... And so you're never going to have the opportunity to run into yourself and you're going to experience it's it's it was much more like you can just go back in time or you can go forward in time and uh-huh. both and and the forward in time unfortunately the people I was playing with like they never really like latched on to the concept of it so they didn't really use it that well but Aww. in theory they could do something in the past and have that affect the future yes um, but it wasn't um it wasn't nearly as like as complex and like well thought out as say like that movie primer or something. Um, did you ever see yeah, primer? I did. Yeah. Like I loved was, it. Yeah. I thought that that was the most um, likely understanding of like time travel. Like it made a lot, it made more sense to me than other like hand wavy time travel movies for sure. Yeah. And even more so than other movies where they did less of the hand waving and more of the explaining. And I'm still like, hmm. I don't think that's how that works. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really like Primer. It's good. It's it and it's cool because it explores it explores a science fiction idea that uh Richard Feynman, um the phys- the famous physicist came up with, right? Mm-hmm. Or or I don't know what came up with, but like talked about. Um, yeah. And so it has uh it it tries to kind of put that into a story and so it's a great way to um kind of wrap your head around what that might be like um, yeah, apply the theory to a, yeah, a storyline the yeah yeah and again it's one of those things where it's like there's just like otherwise there's nothing fantastical that happens in that movie nobody has magic mm-hmm. powers nobody shows up with a ray gun it's very much like you know there's no um there's no deus ex machina yeah moment where they're like oh hand to god we don't know how to fit we painted ourselves in a corner and now we're going to do this it's like right. you know they thought about it and i think that's where um it's just, I think The Last of Us is going to be a hard movie to watch or a TV show to watch yeah. plot wise for you and I because it's it's going to have a lot of shit that's just like comes directly from the video game story that probably was, a, like I said, it's a fine video game. Like it probably has popularity because of various things. And mm-hmm. the fact that now they've tried to translate it into a TV show, um, I think the biggest merit from my point of view is like, did they stick close to the video game? Because that's what people are going to want. Yeah. In yeah. that regard, yeah. In I'm, that regard. And the fact that that doesn't appeal to you is not surprising to me. It's not, it's sure. actually like, it's it's a little bit like watching a, like, a, you know, somebody else play a video game. Kind of, yes. Yeah. They, they cut to these first person perspectives from time to time where you're just like, wait, I'm supposed to be this person. But then it's jarring because the, the character that uh, um, Pascal plays is like, you're like, it's not, not the greatest person. Like, he's okay. Like, he's got some morals or whatever. But like, you know. Yeah. Not not the worst person either. It's just kind of like, you know, white male, you know, retired military personnel person, right? Like an army vet, military veteran. I don't remember what. Yeah. Is, you know, so it's like, you know. Yeah, he's like, a, like weird, a combat vet. Yeah, makes for a weird weird tv show where it's like a lot some of the time it's like first person yeah yes <laughs> like, wait what? what oh i'm i'm supposed to feel like i'm doing this right now got it okay yeah <laughs> that's my daughter who just died okay got it yeah oh, right sweet right. Yeah. what yeah all right great <laughs> i think i'm dissociating again <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah anyway um 
I think that's, I mean, yeah. you have, I, we did not no, really it. get into zombies by any means. I think this is more of a, um, you know, rant on the state of, of, uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of how we're going to tire this. We call this like, like vaguely, uh, what vaguely debate, debate the zombie versus non-zombie category or whatever i don't know okay you know? Yeah, yeah this is vaguely yeah. debate vaguely i like debate. Yeah. <laughs> vaguely debate uh just vaguely debate the nature of the zombie genre or something like that yeah um, yeah anyway um i mean if you're listening to this you've already read the title so that's what we came up with if you think you have a better title we might actually I, we could retitle an episode. Um, if you're listening to this and you're like, this title is garbage and this would be a better title, you can email us uh, and you can email Dana, our CEO and founder of the um, podcast. You can email Dana, D-A-N-A at fcbm.io. I try to plug that because occasionally we do get emails Mail. from listeners. And it's pretty fucking fun. So Yeah. Um, and it's not like we're flooded. I mean, I know we have regular listeners, but... Uh, People rarely, uh, to be fair, actually, I think like some of the listeners who are regular, like have my, have my cell phone. And so they text me directly, <laughs> which I think has <laughs> happened to you occasionally too, because yes. some of your friends listen and they send you a text and they're like, blah, yes. blah, blah. Yeah. Yep. They do. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause we we're people who are already on like a speaking basis. So it's like, yeah, it, just, yeah. it just comes up in conversation comes, yeah, embedded. Like, in conversation. I was listening to your episode the other day and I have yeah. this strong opinion. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh yeah there's one person who listens who um sometimes our our topics spark conversations at their household and yeah. then i get reports back on the content and outcomes of those conversations <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is great <laughs> that one that one from way long time ago about um uh the partner asking her husband if he could think of an idiom and he's like no not yeah. off the top of my head yes and, yes. and it wasn't it wasn't a joke on his part as far as I can right. tell. But man, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so great. I it's like that's like picture perfect, right? Like oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, so many layers of funny in that. I know. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. So okay, well we did it. We talked about it and my my I have gotten my dander up and back down again. And now I can watch <laughs> the third episode and tell you anew how Sounds I'm great. feeling. Okay. <laughs> Okay. life-changing yes life-changing yeah yes i do i'm upset I, about things i didn't think i cared about <laughs> i do appreciate um i do like when somebody tells me something they want to share something with me that is like they feel was like very life-changing for them mm -hmm. um and i always try to be a little bit little bit thoughtful on that because it's like i'm just like oh man but it can be exciting it's like oh this is the first time you've eaten watermelon. Yeah, fucking watermelon's great, or whatever. You yeah. know, or if you think it's garbage, it's garbage. Right. But, well, um, yeah. You know, my point is, it's like it can be very exciting to uh, see someone else's joy and experience in something, but um, also it can be very well, interesting. But yes, I mean, and this is our neighbor who recommended this to us, and yeah. a number of other recommendations have spun off into these like sort of foundational elements in a long-standing friendship like for example they recommended that we watch f-boy island which i was like yes. I, there, again i was like there's no fucking way i'm gonna be able to make it through this show i'm uh -huh. only doing it for this person because because i want to be able to like 
have a, any excuse to talk about more stuff with them right mm-hmm. so like <laughs> it turned out to be amazing and then we roped other friends of ours into watching it who came over to watch kurosawa films and we're like yes, yes traditional like classic japanese films but have you heard of fboy island <laughs> and then we proceeded to watch the entire first season of fboy island with them yeah. in our living room into like a hangout that turned into like a five hour long thing or whatever it was that is so funny um so we take the recommendation right like it's turned out great yeah. before um we also like uh, when I was really sick with shingles, I went over to their house a couple of times to watch a few episodes of Better Call Saul. Yes. Um, and the one where uh, Stahl, Saul steals Howard's car and like drives around dressed up as Howard and um, like get, tries to get Howard in trouble is one of my favorite episodes. And I just died laughing the first time I saw it. So I was over there to watch it with them so that yeah. I could see their reaction to this episode that I love so much. So this is like a long standing back and forth gotcha. now. This yes. has happened a few yeah. times. And Damon's like, we're not going to be able to keep this straight up for very long. We've got to figure out how to tell them we don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, and especially this episode number three, they said it was their possibly their favorite episode of any television show ever. Wow. So now I don't want to go back and be like, and another thing. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> Which is usually my tendency if I don't come up with an alternate plan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. wow. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, do we have any, do you have any like uh, tips for living well in hell or any kind of like commentary? Hmm. We want to round out, finish off the episode. Little oh, nugget. well, I will tell you a little nugget. Yeah. Um, if you are the type of person who uh, lives in a cold place or just any place at all, having plants inside of your house is a good thing to do because they create oxygen and they clean the air. Yeah. And like having other living things around is good and taking care of them is good. Putting your attention outside of yourself on something else is good. And also know that... If you bring in plants from outside yes. to winter over in your house, yeah. you may be the type of house and person who ends up with a frog in their living room uh-huh. in the last days of January at uh-huh. the like dead middle low point of winter. And you will look at that frog and go, are you really a frog? I am losing my mind. Yeah. Or there is a frog that somehow managed to get into my living room in the dead of winter. And that frog emerged from a pot of toad lilies, which Uh is kind of uh, ironically named. And um, that frog is not a toad. It is a gray tree frog that is native to Minnesota. And he likes to sleep in leaf litter um, and winter over. And he can withstand freezing, partial freezing of his body and be just fine when he thaws out. And so he lived in my toad lilies. And what coincided with his emergence from the toad lilies and his arrival in my living room was the emergence of the toad lilies themselves. So I think this plant and this frog Uh both were hibernating and were like, Oh, it's like 70 some degrees in here. It's time. Let's just wake up now. And Uh so this frog is like six weeks early. Uh 
and I had to host him overnight in my living room. I ran out and I bought a humidifier <laughs> so that I could give him a little like you mist little because it's and, yeah. very, very dry in our house in the winter because we have forced air heat and it just like desiccates everything. I have to water my house plant several times a week. Yeah. It's really rough. So um, I got him his own little humidifier and when we got up the next day, he was fine. In uh -huh. fact, he was perkier than when he had just come out. And he was jumping around and he jumped over to my fiddle leaf fig, which is a fairly sizable plant in a f very large pot. Yes. And he was just hanging around, like walking around on the rim of that pot, like checking shit out. Uh -huh. And then he jumped over and he was moving further afield away from the lush jungle in my living room. Um, window bay and That's i remember kind of what you said about like what if he wedges himself in some crevice somewhere and dries yes. out that would be bad for everybody right <laughs> so i was like yes you are right so i uh, we waited until 9 a.m when the wildlife rehabilitation center in roseville minnesota opens up and um i called them and i was like i have a i have a frog in uh -huh. my living room and they were like totally not surprised and damon wasn't surprised to see the frog either which made me feel like i was crazy by for being surprised that there was a frog <laughs> um <laughs> so <laughs> the wildlife rehabilitation center was like they wake up early if you bring them in the house and i was like okay so like i think that i think i was right the toad lilies and the and the frog both sensed uh -huh. the same sort of well and here's the funny thing too i instinctively the other day got this feeling that i was like missing something like i was supposed to be doing something that i wasn't doing and i looked at my like calendar uh -huh. in my schedule and i'm like no i'm not supposed to be doing anything specific today and then i realized i think what triggered this feeling in me was that the angle of the sun is finally getting steeper here uh, and i think that it like it triggered me to like instinctively be aware of the fact that spring is coming like i need to start yeah. my seeds very soon right right and i think like the same thing that made me realize i'm about six weeks out from being able to start hardening off some plants outside maybe I think that same thing woke up the frog and the plants. Oh, <laughs> you know what hilarious. I mean? Yes. Like I just, yeah. I'm, I live in the cycle of what's around me. I don't really live in a, like a, an hourly cycle or like a weekly cycle where Monday through Friday matters so much to me right now. And so right, right. I pay attention to other things um, yeah. that are going on around me. Cause that's where my attention goes to when it isn't sucked up by like a really rigid schedule. Um, so anyway, like they said, bring him in, just put him in a little jar and bring him in. And they put him up in a little like frog resort for frogs that wake up early. Uh -huh. <laughs> like it's really common. And they had a bunch of other frogs there from other people who had brought their plants indoors and also had frogs emerge. Oh, that is hilarious. So they're like little froggy gang that hang uh -huh. out together or something i imagine i don't know i told my friend dan about this who's also my neighbor and he's like it's very like 1990s but they should have a like a live critter cam for people to watch like <laughs> the the winter frog resort yes. <laughs> i was like i yeah. love that idea so much right so uh they are really good about restoring animals that are brought in to the locations that they were found so that they're back uh -huh. in their native habitat and so i'm considering offering to pick the frog up and chaperone him back to my house and put him back in my garden in the pot of toad lilies when they go out in the spring <laughs> so that fantastic. they don't have to make the drive over here themselves so if you find you have a frog in your house and you live right. someplace cold 
<laughs> well, Take it's, note. yeah, the, the wildlife rehabilitation center of Roseville, Minnesota is like, they, they handle like tens of thousands of animals every year, orphaned or injured animals. I yeah. bring them animals all of the time. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I brought them uh, a, a bird that someone's dog had gotten, but that bird did not make it. Oh, yeah. That's tough. But I brought them birds that my cat got, and they made it just fine. Yeah. You never know. And they do amazing surgeries. Like, they, I saw uh, some images that they had of them working. Uh, they were doing a crow's leg surgery. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like bird bones are so tiny. And there they are like doing surgery. So anyway, yeah, that was like, that's, uh, it's, it's good to have live plants in your house because it makes it very much less hellish. Yeah. Um, so if you're living, if you're living in hell, a good way to live well is to have a lot of house plants, but be aware that everything outside of you is somebody else's house too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I just have to keep like an annual eye out for frogs in January in january got it note to self note to self yeah so that's that amazing mm-hmm. all right this is a great story yeah and a, a fun thing to do um mm-hmm. okay well uh i think that's it i think we can uh wrap up safely safely securely safely, securely end this episode thanks for listening bye